Today's show is going to be a special edition as we begin discussing the topic of addiction, of drugs and alcohol, personal testimony and biblical guidance. Stay with us as we look at these and other issues on the 511 News. Now there are two kinds of people in the world, only two kinds, not black and white, not rich and poor. There are those who are dead in sin and there are those who are dead to sin. After three nights of unbridled lawlessness across London, the contagion is spreading. The problem is that God has already judged this. He has judged murder already. I don't need to question it. I don't need to ask and wonder what his plan is. We're commanded as Christians not to participate in the works of darkness, but expose them. Welcome back to the 511 News. I'm your host, Chad Davidson of Good Fight Ministries. And on today's show, I'm excited to talk about this issue, but it also is one that has a lot of ramifications for me personally over the years, a lot of things that I've had to deal with because of friends, myself, those I love. And the subject matter is addiction. And guys, you can be addicted to a lot of things. You can be addicted to porn. Okay, that's a big problem. You can be addicted to sleeping with people that aren't your wives. You can be addicted to fast cars. You can have a lot of different idols. But on this one, this issue, um, basically what happened was we received a number of questions. And over the next week on the Good Fight Radio Show, you're going to hear Pastor Joe, Tony, and myself going through different questions that we received on our Facebook page. We put out a little questionnaire. Hey, if you got questions, we'd love to answer them. And, and guys, when it comes to 511 News, it's the same thing. If you have something, maybe some issue, maybe some news story, something you don't understand that you'd love for us to discuss, we can't get to every single thing, but I will try my best. That's one of the things we want to do. We want to keep our our hands on the pulse and see what's going on. And I received an email and or a, a message actually and was reading it and it hit my heart and I had written something out to talk about today and it totally changed where I wanted to go with the episode and that's because this issue of drugs and alcohol and addiction is something that is very near and dear to me. Um, I'll get a little bit into my background in terms of some of the people that I've been involved with that have been caught in the thralls of addiction but I know for me personally, um, I've been serving for the last, uh, I want to say, four and a half years at the Ventura County Rescue Mission here in Oxnard. And I've been able and been blessed to teach there at least once a month, sometimes more than that, um, but and disciple young men. I've literally had some guys pick someone up at the last Revivas event that Tony and I through and uh, and my wife and Lisa and a number of us here, uh, Edward and, and, and so forth at the fellowship that through the Revivas event. And I remember I was walking in uh, to the event and I had always prayed that it would just be a big giant Jesus party that people are flocked to and, and hear the, a gospel message. And that's been my heart's desire. It's been Tony's heart's desire, my wife, Lisa, and everyone involved. And so that's been our heart's desire, and we wanted to see that. And that's exactly what happened before the event even started. I was about an hour out from when I was supposed to step on the stage to invite all the guests and everybody. And as I'm walking to go get my mic ready, I see someone that I knew back in high school. And when I saw him, he looked strung out. Uh, He looked homeless. And I remember it was very interesting because I was at the rescue mission the previous Wednesday and I told a story about after I came to Christ, 
I was watching the Lakers play in the NBA Finals. Uh, that's been a little while, as you guys probably know. <laughs> but I was watching the games with my brothers, and we were out at a restaurant, and a young man came up to me and said, Hey, Chad, I heard you're doing that whole Jesus thing. You know, that's awesome, bro. He's like, I was at a party, and some of the guys, some of the guys, and he mentioned one of the guys' names. He was like, Oh, maybe Chad's just gay now. <laughs> And I was like, oh, really? And I remember in my head, I'm like, what is wrong with somebody that would think that just because I don't want to party with them? And I'm not, you know, doing those things um, that all of a sudden I'm a homosexual. But nonetheless, I was a little thrown back. And I remember telling that story to the rescue mission, how people will say the craziest things, even though they're completely miserable in the state that they're in they'll call out other people and i was in complete joy and bliss i'd come to know my savior i'd come to know my lord the thralls of of drunken alcohol addiction had totally been thrown away god had literally spared me and taken even that desire from me praise the lord i'm so excited about that praise god every day for that but I was just thrown back that, wow, man, check this out, guys. People will literally say these things about you and don't let it bother you. Uh, Don't let it get under your skin. I was telling that story. The guy who literally came up to me and said that was the same person now that I just told this story about, a story that had happened some nine years before, was now the same person. I told that story on Wednesday and now I'm seeing the person and I haven't seen him since then strung out on drugs on the street. And so I was like, wow, bro. I was like, I was just talking about you. <laughs> That's funny because uh, he's more of an acquaintance at the time. And I said, man, I'd really love to help you any way I can. And he was asking why God allowed him to do drugs and why God would make him do these terrible things. I said, hey, God, it's not God making you. You're making these decisions. You have a choice. And the choices that you're making, you're dealing with the ramifications of them. You are sowing to the flesh and you're reaping corruption. And that's why you're homeless. That's why you're on drugs. And he admitted to me he was on drugs. And I said, hey, listen, bro, I've been teaching at this rescue mission for a number of years. I would love to get you set up there. And uh, I took him over to meet with a couple guys from the from the, from the the mission. And uh, he told me, I, I really want to go. I, I want to get signed up there. But he's like, but I got all these problems going on. I got all this. I said, I don't care what you got going on. I, I want to take you. I want to make sure you go. I literally drove him. He's like, I have stuff I have to get rid of. And I'm like, what do you you mean? Okay. I knew what he meant, but he's like, I got stuff I got to get rid of. And I said, okay, come in my car. So I literally drove him to a dumpster all the way on the other side of the the town so that if you guys know anything, you don't want him to be able to go back and grab it. I knew he didn't have a car. He was homeless. And I threw it away in the dumpster uh, all the way literally from one side of the city to the next ran back and was barely back in enough time to introduce everybody that was coming to the stage to start the event. And I told him he worked the whole event with the rescue mission guys and he said he was going to sign up and I did not want him. I didn't want to lose him. So he actually spent the night at my house and I took him to the rescue mission on that Monday. He stayed with me. I have a family of three, about to be four, (laughs) I guess with my, my four, about to be my fourth kid. And uh, this is just when there's the three of us. And I said, hey, I'm going to sleep on the couch next to you and make sure, you know, everything's okay. And while you're going through your withdrawals, I'll be right here. And we did. And and then I drove him to the rescue mission and it's been well over a year. And I literally threw away meth, heroin, and methadone. And 
that time at that that was the last time he would use those things he has not gone back it's been well over a year now and uh, he hasn't gone back to those addictions he says he has a great relationship with the lord and in following him and it's been kind of a, a radical change you know for him and it was cool because you know you see in the gospel a lot of times where the gospel will come into somebody and he says you and your whole household to go back and you and your whole household and he said this is the first time in his family's history that him and his brothers um, were off drugs at the same time because his brother was at the Salvation Army uh, while he was at the rescue mission. But I say that because, guys, I care about these people and, and I'm serious about these things and I've dealt with these things and I have a great story there and then I have a horror story to tell you because I tried to do the same thing with somebody who I would have considered my best friend, my absolute best friend growing up. We did everything together. He lived with me multiple times. Um, but he had an alcohol addiction that later turned into a meth addiction. And I wanted him, I wanted so badly for him to be back with his kids and doing the right things that not only would I make food for him, I invited him to live at my house, trying to help him get right, take him to jobs, things like that. And when we went to Israel, about three weeks prior to us going to Israel, I told him, I said, hey, bro, I realize it's been about three months. You still haven't kicked this alcohol thing. You won't go to the rescue mission. And now I believe that you're doing methamphetamine. Again, um, I'm going to have you no longer at our house. I don't believe you're having a spiritual benefit being here and living with us. So I love you. Um, If you want to get right, I'll take you to the mission tonight. I will take you to the mission tomorrow, whatever. Um, And if you want to get right, we will do that. We'll fix you up. And I'm going to go take a shower. If I come back, you come to church with me tonight, I'll take you the mission and you'll be ready to go. Uh, I got back and he was gone. And that was about three weeks before I left. I brought him food a couple more times in between that, but he knew he wasn't to be living at my house anymore. And when I went to Israel um, for a mission trip and we were gone for about a month between Israel and Holland, um, he moved his homeless friends into my house and ran our house amok. I had two CIF championship rings uh, that I won with him on our wrestling team, and he stole both of those. Um, Weird thing to steal when it has my name on it in my weight class, but uh, pretty heartbreaking that that would happen. And I remember afterwards, and, and anybody, guys, if you're involved in redemption, if you're involved in people being redeemed to Christ, you know it hurts so much when you see people that aren't. You know that if you get involved, especially when it comes to addictions, Okay, it's a messy, messy ministry, and you got to be ready to get messed up on. I mean, it's just the way it is. Okay, just call it to the carpet. All right, let's be honest with one another because if you care about these souls, you know what's going to happen. Okay, you know that people are going to wrong you, but it's worth it. I have to just, I have to let you know it's worth it. It's worth it to keep fighting and to keep battling and to keep going after them. I'm not saying to put yourself in harm's way or your family. I'm a little crazier than most, and more or less my wife is even crazier than me to even allow some of this nonsense. But but the truth is is that we love people and we want to see them um, redeemed in Christ because this is this is something that I have learned so so clearly. Not only. And I'll, I'll get into the, the scriptural connotations to this. Not only do people, when they reject Christ and think they just want to get sober, they usually just spend their life trading vices before they go back to it, typically. But in my mind, the thing is, is that somebody can be sober all the way to hell. Okay? And and that is if that's your redemptive quality, is that you can redeem their life here on earth, then you're wasting their time. Because eternity is all that ultimately matters. And that's great if somebody gets off drugs and, and you can champion that. But I got to be honest with you, if you're not preaching salvation, if salvation is not what is 
at the the core of what you're doing, we're going to have problems. And if Jesus isn't the goal, if they're at some rehab where where sobriety is the idol, I'm going to let you know they're going to fall. And whether that fall goes into um, drugs and alcohol, a lot of times that fall will be into the someone else's arms. I remember talking with someone, and I know I'm going through a million rabbit trails here, but it's a it's a subject that I'm passionate about. But I remember talking with somebody whose daughter had a heroin addiction. And one of the things that they told me was, I'm telling you right now, my daughter's been through program after program. She's gone 90 days clean. She's gone six months clean. And every single time, Satan usually works the same way. And he said, I would rather have the drug of my daughter's choice at a table in front of her than a person of the opposite sex that she's attracted to. Because usually they get pulled into that sin and then eventually go back. And I'm telling you over and over again, guys at the rescue mission, and I mean, in four years, I usually have an average of 60 guys in there. I've met hundreds of guys at this point. Okay. Tons of, tons of guys. Some guys have gone all the way through the program. Most of them have quit a long ways and then come back and go and come back. And guys, I'm telling you right now, Jesus has to be the focus in this. If you're fighting for someone if you're wrestling with this, if you have people, if not even yourself, I'm talking to the people that are wrestling with those around them who they love. I'm telling you right now, Jesus has to be the focus. You have to get that in order. Clean the inside of the cup and the outside of that cup will become clean. You have to make their focus on finding Jesus. That is key. That is core. And I'm telling you guys, I've seen it. I've seen this redemptive process happen where someone gets saved, whether it's a daddy that gets saved and now their daughter see their daughter or their son sees a new life in them. Okay, whether it's a husband and now the wife sees the new life in them, whether it's a son and now their mother and father sees a new life, somebody who continued to be a loser, and I'm not talking about losing as in, oh, you're just a loser, go away, but losing to this sin over and over again, Satan winning over them in this sin over and over again. And then finally, when Jesus comes and he is our rest and our refuge and he gives us his strength and we recognize that apart from Jesus, we can do nothing and that we fall under the mighty hand of God. And when they get a new heart with new desires, and I'm telling you right now, I've talked with multiple people. Sometimes those desires aren't completely taken away. Sometimes the Lord will use those things to keep us humble, just as he did Paul. Okay, but his power, it's perfected in our weaknesses. We recognize that we need Christ and his strength. And this is an area specifically that we really, really need. We want that redemption so badly. We want to see redemption in these people. And I'm telling you this right now, guys, and I have a real big problem personally with Alcoholics Anonymous. I have a really tough problem with any sort of ideology that teaches you that defeat is somehow victory. That you standing up in front of a bunch of people and gossiping about your life and telling them how, guess what, you are an alcoholic, saying basically I identify as an alcoholic, that this is beneficial, okay, spiritually. I've, I've talked to a thousand, I've, heard, I've talked to a lot of people that came out of AA and got saved through it because God can literally speak through a donkey, that's why, okay? Um, but the problem is it starts with the basis of a philosophy that allows you to be an idolater, Okay, you can literally pray to a doorknob, find a higher power. And I'm sorry, guys, it's nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. And what you need to do 
is not fall to a doorknob, but you need to follow to Jesus. And if you don't, this is something that happens. And I'm going to give you a, a few personal testimonies of people that I've seen and my own. Okay. Jesus warned, he said in, in Matthew chapter 12, verse 43, he says, now when the unclean spirit goes out of a man, it passes through waterless places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds it unoccupied, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and takes along with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go in and live there. And the last state of that man becomes worse than the first. Guys, I'm telling you right now, I've seen this process over and over and over again. You find these these men that go through AA or NA or CA or BA or whatever, move into sober living and do these processes for hour for, for months, years at a time sometimes. But instead of maybe heroin, all now they're doing is sleeping with all the new interns that come in. Okay? Instead of heroin, they switch back to drinking and then eventually go back to heroin. But ultimately over and over and over again, these small victories that don't lead you to victory in Christ are a battle won for naught. And over and over and over again, those demons come back even stronger. And how many times, guys, how many times, for you guys who have dealt with this, talked with people who have died, talked with their mothers who have died, I've literally held moms in my arms, hugging them, knowing that their son died off of heroin, knowing that their son is living at a drug dealer's house as I want to go pry them out of there, and I have before, okay? Knowing all these things and seeing them get off a drug for a long time, And when they go back, that state is almost always worse. And one thing they always warn is, don't take the amount that you were used to taking before you got off. And they cook themselves, guys. That's what happens. They cook themselves. That demon comes back even stronger. And the man is worse off than he was at first. He was worse off when he kept God at an arm's distance when it came to his rehabilitation. He's worse off when he said, I'm going to have God in my own image and I'm going to have him on my account and on my accord and when I want him. I will have a cosmic butler that I pray to when I need help to go through these triggers. What I pray to to go through all these things that I'm going to go through. Okay, this girl, that girl, this guy. I'll have this God as my butler. He'll come and help. But the thing is, is that Proverbs chapter 1, starting at verse 20, tells us that wisdom is crying from the street tops. God, ultimately, it's not your sobriety, even though that's what we're called to as believers, okay? That's not what he's looking for. He will make you sober-minded. He will bring you to himself when you humble yourself and come to him. If not, it says he will laugh at your calamity. And I'm sure what God is saying there is that you were just unwilling, 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 unwilling. And then eventually that demon will come back. I believe drugs are demonic. I believe alcohol, drunkenness specifically, is demonic. Okay? I told you guys that in a different episode, speaking about encouraging one another, I told you guys how I put down this set of verses in my wallet because when I would go to a liquor store, okay, or maybe 7-Eleven to buy something, I would read these, have to read these verses if I was going to sin against God, okay? And here's what it says in Proverbs 23, 31 through 35. It says, do not look on wine when it is red in the cup, when it sparkles in the cup. 
when it goes down smoothly. At last, it bites like a serpent. Yes, the same word used in Genesis for Satan. And stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things. And your mind will utter perverse things. Tell me that if you've never been drunk, okay? That this is not true of your drunken self. And you will be like the one who lies down in the middle of the sea or the one who lies down on the top of a mass, just swinging back and forth, can't stand up straight. They struck me, but I did not become ill. They beat me, but I did not know it. When shall I awake? I will seek another drink. This is somebody caught up in the thralls of drunkenness. This is someone caught up in the lie that Satan gives you. Because the Bible warns that we aren't to be drunk with wine, which causes dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because guess what? It is a counterfeit to the true spirit. Samuel's own mother, what was she accused of? Oh, you must be drunk when she was praying in the spirit. What did they accuse the disciples of when the Holy Spirit came upon them? Oh, you must be drunk over and over again because it's a counterfeit. It's a lie. It will never, ever pay the bill that it gives you. It will never pay it. It will never make you feel love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and long-suffering. No, you will not feel those things. You'll, Guys, the, the amount of depression that comes from this. the Guys, it breaks my heart when I read this text and I think about I was that guy. I was like on the top of a mast, swinging back and forth, falling off of rooftops. They struck me. I did not become ill. You get in a fight, you can't even feel it, but you bet you feel it the next morning. When shall I awake and seek another drink? Even though all these things happen, when shall I awake to seek another drink? You know, a lot of times when I tell my testimony, and I just did this on Thursday in Texas, But a lot of times when I tell my testimony, I'll bring up my life being as if a bucket, so to speak. And if my life was a bucket, it had a ton of holes in it. And every night I would fill it up with girls, you know, whether fornication, all right, lying, thieving, adultery, all that stuff, and drunkenness. And I would pour those bottles into there. And every morning I'd wake up and it'd be empty. I'd be hung over. Right? I wouldn't want to look at my phone and see what people had called and texted and left voicemails of the th- nasty, pathetic stuff that I was doing the night before. And I would have to fill it up every morning. I literally would wake up and drink. I was completely captive. I was completely in chains to all of these things. And when I came to Christ, when I realized that I was a wicked sinner in need of God's grace... When God opened my heart when I came to him, all of those things, he took that bucket, he filled up every hole and he put in a stream of living water that never leaves. I never have to trade it. I never have to go back to it. I don't need it anymore. I'm not going to be chained to it. You know, I think about this and guys, I, I'm not someone who's going to say, if you have a drink, you're, you're sinning. That's not me. I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that. But I want to I wanna talk about some practical wisdom here. Something that I thought about a lot when people ask me about drunkenness and believers and drinking. And I love to give this scenario because I see this a lot. I've seen guys 
Um, you know, I've seen women and men both admit, yeah, I got drunk. I can't believe that I did that as a believer. I'm so sorry. I know people that have had to send texts the day after. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I ha- after that second thing of wine that I was acting that way and I was kind of a little slurred in my speech and all those things. The thing is, is that sin is equated in the Old Testament specifically and in the New Testament as adultery against God, cheating on God, choosing other things, even though he gave his clear, okay, do not get drunk with wine and then you get drunk, okay? Um, you know, no drunkard will inherit the kingdom of God. All these different things when it comes to us and our warnings. Be sober and vigilant. Why? It's a spiritual warfare. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. How easy are you to devour when you're falling under the lines of all these things? Where, oh, I can get hit and not be ill. Oh, I don't care. Right? So this spiritual adultery takes place. And I want to... How about husbands and wives think about this? Let's say you're a husband and you cheated on your spouse with someone at your work. Okay? And you cheated on her. You went out to lunch and you did something bad you should have never done. And the gracious wife that you have, you come to her, you admit your sin, and you say, I can't believe I did this. If you will forgive me, please. And she, as a wonderful, wonderful wife, accepts your, 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 you know, you coming and admitting your sin and says, I will have you back. You will be my husband. I will be with you. I'm not going to let you, I'm not going to let you go away and fall into this. Okay, I I want you back. But then you go back to work. You see the same woman you committed adultery with. And you say, well, we can still go to lunch. (laughs) We can still hang out. Nothing will ever happen again. I just have to warn you guys. If we don't take sin seriously, this is what we sound like. We sound like the the man who committed adultery with his wife and says, well, I can still be friends and I can still hang out with the person that I've been cheating on you with. I can still go back and do these things even though I've committed spiritual adultery multiple times. Guys, it's not, I'm not giving you and saying, hey, this is clear cut and this is what you can do and can't do. What I'm telling you is it's dangerous. And I'm telling you this, I remember reading a small book, okay? And in that small book, it's called The Art of Soul Winning. It's an old book. Or believe written in the 1800s. I'd have to go look, but it's something I got from my wife in, in her car, and I would read one of the little stories before I went to the gym every day. And I remember one of those stories was about a youth minister, and this youth minister said, came crying to the head pastor, said, "I know, I know why I'm not seeing fruit. I know why I'm not seeing fruit." And they said, well, "Why, why, why, why? You know, why do you believe you're not seeing fruit?" He said, he said "Because." They all know, all the kids know I'm a hypocrite. They said, oh no, how do they know you're a hypocrite? I said, well, I went to the theater and I believe the, the, the play was Romeo and Juliet and there was going to be some nudity. And those, those people from her class or his class, whoever the person was, they were there to see the, the, the play as well. And they realized, whoa, you teacher, you're here, you're a hypocrite. And that's not saying you can't go see a movie or something. But what it made me think about is I would never, ever, ever, ever want to cause someone to stumble. Guys, I've been to weddings where I watched the pastor do the wedding and literally get toasted, wasted, drunk. And then I asked about this, called this person, and I said, what was going on here? And they said, yeah, you should have saw him the night before at the bachelor party. And this is a pastor. This is the person who gave the message at the wedding that Jesus is the only way, but yet he's a drunkard. 
This is dangerous, guys, and this is why I care so much. And I know for me personally, because I have, before I was saved, was radically stumbled by quote-unquote believers doing the very things that I was doing and walking in the same way and being no different from the outside world, not being unstained, not being the people that are marveled at, as it says in 1 Peter 4, that you not go to drinking parties, that you not go to these things and all this forms of idolatrous worship, that you don't do those things. They marvel in that you don't practice these very disgusting things. Okay, you don't do them and they marvel at you. They ca- they're caused to ask a question. So what I say to myself is I never want to even cause someone to stumble. I don't want to worry ever in my life. Did I have too much to drink? Did I take one too many sips? I never have to worry about that. And guess what? I never have to worry about cheating on my wife if I don't go out to dinner with someone who's not my wife alone. I never have to worry about looking at pornography if I don't turn it on my computer or let these pop-ups or something be on there. I don't have to worry about these things if I keep the proper ramification, if I recognize the ramifications and keep the proper barriers that don't jump over and run after me. I don't got to worry about those things. So I would ask you, if you're someone who as a believer has taken that stumble, has messed up in that way, just see if that's practical wisdom to you. That you would say, maybe I shouldn't go out to dinner with her. Maybe I shouldn't go out to lunch. Maybe it is dangerous. Because guys, it's not a joke. Sin is serious. It has ramifications. What is the person when you're at the bar having a drink? I got to ask, what's the person thinking when you're at the bar? Oh, they're probably just having one. Do you think anyone's thinking that? No, I don't think that. When all you post are pictures of you drinking and you know i remember joe saying you know you don't see people posting pictures with a dr pepper like ooh, this is so good but it's always you know the margaritas and the beers and all this stuff it's just where's your heart where do you, do you care about people stumbling because i see it jesus cares about those people stumbled jesus cares about those people that may step in the wrong direction so this is maybe a talk about addiction and alcohol drugs and all those things and i only got to very scratch the surface But guys, this is something that I hold dear to my heart because I've seen too many people stumble. And I would encourage you right now to be sober and vigilant. Recognize the day we're in, as it says in Titus, but walk a soberly life, one that is without the stain of anything. Let no one have reproach against you and avoid the very appearance of evil. I encourage you on this day to make sure that you know you have the Lord, you're holding tight to him, and you don't go to dinner with the enemy. God bless.